When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Today, it's the backyard brawl. Michigan, Michigan State. We've reached that point of the schedule. We get a chance to start talking about some of these rivalry games. October 30, 2021 in East Lansing. We'll get a chance to sit down with... My buddy, Jason Strayhorn, to talk about this matchup. Stay tuned, and we'll bring it all to you here on In the Trenches. Let's go In the Trenches with John Jansen. The former Wolverines captain and Michigan Sports Hall of Famer will take you inside the locker room with players and coaches. As soon as you see it happen, normally your reaction is interception, sudden change, we're on the field. We kind of all stood there like, what just happened? What did he actually get his foot in? Did that did did was that an interception? And then we obviously celebrated, ran out on the field, and uh, but yeah, I was uh, was not far away. Once again, here's John Jansen. Welcome back, friends, and just a quick update, as I always like to do at this part of the podcast. If you missed anything on MGo Blue Podcast, you can always go back, download anything you need. Some great interviews from assistant coaches, so a couple of players throughout the spring. Obviously, we've been going through Michigan's football schedule. Today brings us to Michigan State. But yesterday, Brian Bush was able to sit down on Defend the Block with sophomore-to-be Jace Howard. And uh, so if you missed it, make sure you go back, download. It's it's a great listen, uh, and I'm excited for you to hear it. Uh, and the guy that I just mentioned, not Jace Howard, but Brian Bush, is here to join me as he always does. Mr. Bush, how are you? I'm great. What was awesome was when I asked him about some of his childhood memories. And, you know, you'll you'll call, you know, maybe close family friends, uh, an, an aunt or an uncle, and he said, "Yeah, with Uncle LeBron and Uncle D Wade." And it's just like, wow. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> it is. That is crazy. You just imagine the basketball that he's been able to see 
you know, and, and I'm not talking about games. I'm talking about at practice or just, you know, those guys have something that, that they're doing pick up. That would be an unbelievable. Yeah, it was fun to talk with him. And you know, I tried to steer the conversation. I still asked him about the relationship with his dad, with the head coach. But I wanted to ask him about the other members of his family and, and him more because it's such an easy comparison and, and talking point. Oh, it's the coach's son. Let's talk about that. But, I mean, he came here for a reason, and it wasn't just to hang out with dad for four years. It was to play and to play at a high level. So really good kid. Uh, he's been working his tail off. It was basically between workouts. He, he was coming from a workout, and he was going to another one when we, when we caught up. So I, I do hope people will enjoy it. Good deal. And just a, a quick, and I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot here, but we're going to continue in the trenches because we're doing this schedule throughout the course of the summer, leading us right up to fall camp. Are you going to be able to continue M, uh, the uh, the Defend the Block? Yeah, that's the plan, and uh, we're hopeful here in the coming weeks to introduce fans to uh, some of the new players, the incoming freshmen, uh, also hoping to get any transfers. Uh, there's one out there that uh, we can't quite mention at this point, but uh, all signs point to him being a part of the program as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll introduce fans to uh, the new players, both in the men's and the women's programs. Uh, we won't go through every game of the Michigan basketball schedule and preview it, but uh, as I'm sure you've heard with Seton Hall at North Carolina, of course the game with Kentucky here in Ann Arbor that's coming up, uh, we'll, we'll try to preview some of those bigger games too. But yeah, defend the block, humming right along. Really the only one, John, as you know, that's taking a little bit of a break is Conquering Heroes because, well, there are no sports going on right now. The College World Series ended on Wednesday, but uh, yeah, we're going to keep humming along. Why not? There's plenty of stuff to talk about. There is. I just wanted to make sure, make our listeners aware that, uh, hey, the basketball news is coming at you, football news is coming at you, and as soon as we have anything going on with fall sports, we're going to fire the Conquering Heroes back up and, and get that humming along as well. How about some 7 from 77? Yeah, John, let's do it. And we will talk plenty of Michigan State this week, but first, we're releasing this on Thursday, July one. Today's the day. Name image likeness has arrived. I, I don't know about you. I, I feel like we kind of know some of the things that can happen, and I feel like some of it's still being developed, but student-athletes can be compensated for their name, image, and likeness uh, thanks to either an NIL law or executive order in their state or with the NCAA's kind of interim NIL policy. Michigan, the, the state of Michigan has a law that will come into effect in December of 2022, but that NCA waiver allows student-athletes in the state to participate now. John, let's talk broad here. What are your observations on, on what's been an interesting, and let's face it, at times a pretty chaotic journey to July 1 in NIL? Yeah, it's been crazy, and, and this has been something that's been talked about for uh, quite honestly, decades um, getting to this point. The as we know, the NCAA doesn't move quickly on anything, and if they're not, if their hand isn't forced, they're not going to make a move. But the you know different states have have gotten involved um, for you know a a you know the athletes on the athletes' behalf. We're we're going to see the federal government do something. I'm sure soon as well. Obviously, now the NCAA is is you know felt the pressure and has put in something in the interim. So it's it's been a long process to get to this point, and I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a huge benefit to the student-athlete, and it's going to be a benefit. You know, not everybody is going to see the same benefit, but across the student-athlete body, we're going to see, 
you know, because of social media and the presence that a lot of these student athletes have, you're going to see some kids be able to, you know, profit off of just the social media side of things in the community. They'll be able to profit, uh, you know, being able to coach camps and use their name in regards to that. So there's a lot of things I think that will be, should have been done much sooner, but they'll have that ability now. Yeah, I mean, the tentacles go in a lot of different directions with this. And number two on our seven from 77, uh, as we talk about, I don't know if we truly and fully grasp what this will mean in the coming months and years. I, I do feel like today, July 1, 2021, will be looked at at kind of a landmark day in college sports down the road. So how does this change things? In particular, what is Michigan and Michigan football doing and, and, and what have they done to prepare for this moment? Well, what they're doing right now is making sure that they understand every aspect of the interim rule because that's what they're, everybody in the state of Michigan will be operating under because, as you mentioned, the, the law won't go into effect until a year and a half from now. So that's where they're going to be operating. They want to make sure that they understand every aspect of that so that they don't step out of bounds somewhere, that they don't do something that would you know, uh, you know, know, be inappropriate in regards to what they're allowed to do. So compliance will be a huge huge part of this and Michigan I this is what I know and we know of Jim Harbaugh they are going to take advantage of every opportunity within the rules to give their students and their student athletes everything possible and we you know we talked about the Supreme Court ruling last week in regards to computers and things for education the the university and the athletic department will not be involved in this they can't set things up for the student athletes, but there, there's going to have to be, and I haven't been able to read the entire, uh, you know, uh, interim rule because th- that's one thing that the NCA does very well as well, and that is use printer paper and use a maximum amount of space. So, as we continue to pour over this information, you've got to find out what you can do, what you can't do, and then is there going to be some type of reporting process that the student-athletes have to go through that, hey, I have this deal, making sure the athletic department checks it out, it's okay. Um, All of those things are still a little bit fuzzy to me, and we're just going to have to figure it out as we go. Yeah, and Coach Harbaugh has been pretty progressive, pretty ahead of the curve on a lot of these types of issues. He was talking about a 16-team playoff for a little while. He was ahead of the curve on one-time, automatic, no-sit-out transfers. So I feel pretty good about where Michigan football can be on this while still understanding this. I mean, it's a pretty unique time. Uh, Number three, also July normally means predictions really start to come around for college football. Phil Steele's magazine is out. He pegs the Wolverines as fourth in the Big Ten East. Hopefully we can get him on the show at some point in the lead up to the season. Pro Football Focus has Michigan as a seven-win team. I'm just curious from your standpoint, how did you handle predictions, especially in years when externally they weren't all that high, whether it was college or in the NFL, and how do you hope Michigan takes in, if at all any of these types of prognostications well you, you take everything with a grain of salt as a player if you're favored to win it all 
then you have to take that as motivation that you have to live up to that, that that's the standard that's been set. That's the expectation of your team. And you've got to live up to that. If the expectation is six wins, seven wins, something less than what you feel you can do, then you use that as motivation to say, Hey, we get no respect. I mean, you can use motivation and, and that, that those preseason, you know, prognostications any way that you want, but, as a player, you don't necessarily read into it other than, hey, I've got to live up to this or, hey, this pisses me off and I'm going to work even a little bit harder to make sure that they know at the end of the season they were 100% wrong. Number four, let's talk Michigan State. We've got a great conversation coming up with Jason Strayhorn and you asked him at the end, spoiler alert, about his favorite memory of playing against Michigan. So I'll flip it to you. We put that earlier in the show we put that in the more important part of the show of the Michigan moment against Michigan State but what is that memory that stands out to you in a rivalry that you while you were at Michigan went four and one in uh I mean there's so there's so many different memories that you you think back to those those big games whether it's Michigan State Notre Dame Ohio State Wisconsin Iowa that that you have and obviously the Michigan State one for me having grown up in the state of Michigan getting an opportunity to play at Michigan is um it's very special to me and I remember the, the, as everybody does, the 97 game and the drive right before half. And I remember Chris Howard breaking away and running down the middle of the field. And I, I can't remember the, the linebacker's name. Ike Reese, uh, I think, was the, the, the linebacker that caught him from behind, tried to you know punch the ball out. Chris Howard bobbled it a little bit, but then he you know gathered it in, fell on it. Uh, and we were able to take that you know drive down and then obviously right before we got into the end zone there was a little bit of a skirmish there's some there there there's some you know discrepancies as to what may have happened in a pile but i do know that demetrius underwood was flagged for a personal foul he did hit me in the face mask what drew that penalty i have absolutely no idea but that end of the drive really set us up going into halftime, gave us some momentum. We ended up obviously getting a touchdown out of it. And then everybody remembers the catch by Charles Woodson. I mean, it is, it is other than maybe Desmond Howard's catch and maybe another, you know, one or two highlights from Charles, maybe the most iconic moment over the past 30 years, um, I used to say, you know, 15 or 20 years, but I'm going to extend that 30 years because the clock keeps ticking. And I just remember looking down the sideline and it just in wonderment of what he was able to do to be able to catch the ball, to be able to still get a foot in bounds. It just was, it was unbelievable. And it's, it's etched in my mind forever. I'm glad you saw it live because sometimes you wouldn't see that. You might be meeting with your position coach or whatever. Where were you on the sideline in relation to that? Uh, we, I was, geez, I was maybe 30, 40 yards just down the sidelines right in front of where the offensive line does meet. And I had a chance to, you know, we were done, you know, conversing on the sidelines and I was walking up and, and just it, that's when it happened. And obviously, you, you know, as soon as you see it happen, normally your reaction is, interception, sudden change, we're on the field. We kind of all stood there like, what just happened? What did he actually get his foot in? Did that, did, did, was that an interception? And then we obviously celebrated, ran out on the field. And, uh, but yeah, I was, uh, was not far away. That's one thing. 
somebody like me who never played any sports at a high level, it's easy to be wowed in sports. But it, there's something special when when you, uh, a, a, a captain, a future, you know, decade plus NFL player, when you're wowed by somebody, when when players at that level are wowed by a play, like that's the measurement, isn't it? It, it you know what it, it it is, and Charles did that on a regular basis. So that just shows you how special that one play was. We saw him do special things every day at practice. Um, and then to come out in a game and, and have a moment like that in a game like that, you know, if it had happened against, you know, just about anybody else, you're, it would be a highlight. It would be special, but having it happen in Spartan stadium against a rival was, was even more so. Number five on our seven from 77, not an easy transition from a great moment in this rivalry to a tough one. Uh, it felt like last year the Michigan State loss was the beginning of the end of how things really came crumbling down. Just what do you think that loss did now that we've had so much time to, to look back on what was the 2020 season and, and just how vital is it to quickly flip that script and return the favor in East Lansing this year? It's imperative. I mean, this this year, it's a must-win game. And you look at it and you think, okay, this is where Michigan State is. You know, second year of a head coach. They've had, you know, 47 transfers, new names, transfers and rookies, you know, I say rookies, uh, freshmen come in. And, you know, this is going to be an opportunity for Michigan, should be an opportunity for Michigan to reset the bar and say this is what is supposed to happen in the game. All of the players, you can make all the excuses in the world. Oh, there was a pandemic. We had to do testing. We had to do so what? So did the other team. So did Michigan State. And this is a matter of a response. There was no response in that game. This is the opportunity to say, hey, we got hit in the mouth. All right. We took it on the chin. We're going to take, we understand that we have to live with this for an entire year. You let that fester. You let that grow a little bit. You let it swell up. And then all of a sudden, as you, when you take the field as a Wolverine, you come out with everything, you both barrels burning, both, you know, it just, you're, you're just filled with fury because that's what this game, what this rivalry is about. And you better match the intensity that I know you're going to see on the other sideline. Number six, you mentioned the soon-to-be second-year head coach, Mel Tucker. Just your impressions because, I mean, in terms of storyline, in terms of journey in his coaching career at Michigan State, I mean, he, he took a lot of flack for what happened in, in departing at Colorado, and then a month later, it's the pandemic, and then you, you have the win over Michigan. They beat Northwestern, and they lost all their other games. Just a really unique setup. So, so what's your impressions of him and of what's going on up in East Lansing? He's no nonsense. Um, he's tough, uh, exactly what you would expect, um, after living with, you know, Mark D'Antonio for, for more than a decade. That's what that program is. They went out and they got a guy that mirrors that he's going to be his own man. Don't, don't think that he's just a mirror image of Mark D'Antonio, but he's been in East Lansing before he knows what it means to play, you know, to be a Spartan, to wear the green and white. It's tough. It's going to be physical. They're going to be big. They're going to be strong. And as you're going to hear from Jason Strayhorn, they're going to be fast on the edges. So it's, uh, but again, you don't hear a lot from Mel Tucker, but when you do, you better pay attention because his words do mean something. Lastly, you mentioned Jason Strayhorn. You guys played around the same time. A couple of offensive linemen chopping it up. It's a really good conversation. It's a thorough breakdown of the Spartans. And it's always good to know that opponent 
even if it is in early July. What were your biggest takeaways from this, and, and what do you remember about Jason the player? Um, you know, Jason and I have known each other. We, we knew each other better after we were done at Michigan State. When you're a college kid, right, the rivalry is bigger than life. You're not supposed to talk to those guys. You're not supposed to socialize with those guys. You're not supposed to do anything other than, uh, you know, continue to grow the hate. Uh, when you leave, you understand that they're human beings as well. And, you know, for that game, for that week, when you talk about this game, none of that hate goes away. And it's okay to say that word. Uh, but, you know, you can be friends. You can be, you know, football players and, and talk football. And Jason's got a great eye for the game, as most offensive linemen do. Um, but he he does a great job of taking us into Michigan State's locker room and talking about all of the new names because this year, I know it's the case at Michigan, it's even more so at Michigan State, the transfer portal, immediate eligibility, it has completely flipped that roster and he, I, it's just, it was a lot of fun to have a conversation and just chop it up as, as two former offensive linemen and, uh, uh, you know what, not former, still offensive linemen uh, talking some football. Yeah, that mentality's got to stay the same. All right, before we get there, real quick bacon fact for you. It is Independence Day weekend coming up, and John, there is a fireworks supply company called Sky Bacon Fireworks, and their tagline, fireworks that sizzle. Love it. <laughs> that's because that's there's no sweeter sound. There's no better taste than that sizzle that you hear in your cast iron pan as you fry up that bacon. Every once in a while, you get a little treat uh, that comes out. So uh, I'm ex- that that I may have to find some of those for my Fourth of July celebration because we like some sizzle in the Jansen house. Talk about some sizzle. Uh, Jason Strayhorn of the Spartan Radio Network has joined me today. I enjoyed the conversation. We yucked it up a little bit. We got serious. We had some fun. Uh, So please enjoy uh, the interview and the conversation that I had with Mr. Strayhorn. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. I'm now joined by my fellow football brethren, and he is on the other side of the state, uh, and that is Michigan State. I'm on one side of the fence, he's on the other, but he is kind enough to join us here on In the Trenches today, and that is my buddy Jason Strayhorn. You can hear him on the Spartan Radio Network game days all fall, as well as he's got a new podcast coming out from Woodward Sports. I'm excited to hear that's going to come out at the end of July, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But, Jason, thanks for joining us. And uh, how excited are you for this football season? Fans, it should be as normal as possible. Oh, man, I can't wait for it. Thanks for having me on here, John. This is an exciting time. Uh, When you look back at last year's season with empty stadiums and very strange uh, outcomes, you know, not knowing what the future may hold. 
Uh, this is a, a return to normalcy is, is much uh, warranted, and, and, and we're we're anxious for it, to say, to, to say the least. So uh, very excited about this season coming up. Well, hopefully football Saturdays will be normal, but this offseason, even though the pandemic feels like it's winding down, there's still some things that we've, you know, fans and players and programs, protocols, all that stuff that they're going through. But the one change that I think has really affected both of our programs is instant eligibility and the transfer portal. How hard has yeah. it been for you to keep an eye on the rosters, let alone not just in the Big Ten, but in your own program? It's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Like in getting ready, preparing for interviews and talking about the season is a lot more difficult because of this. Just as you said, the roster is continually changing. Uh, 47 new faces uh, will be on the roster come uh, fall camp for Michigan State. And typically, you know, you may see 15 to 20 new faces. So this is a lot. Um, so with the transfer portal and uh, some different rules that are relaxed because of COVID and super seniors coming, this is something we've never seen before, but it doesn't look like it's going to be slowing down anytime soon. No, it doesn't. And when you look at this roster, and you mentioned it, 47 new names and faces. What is what, Where has been the biggest impact for this Michigan State roster? I, I would say the biggest impact would be the running back acquisition. <laughs> Kenneth Walker out of Wake Forest, who came here um, as a, a very highly touted guy uh, from Wake Forest. But now, I mean, he's just... In the spring, you could see the different level of burst and strength, and he's proven it week in and week out in the weight room. He's earned the respect of a te- of a team in short order, and, and you can see why. He's just a power plug of a guy, a workhorse. Um, you know, Mel Tucker is not a guy who's going to run a guy uh, like 50 times a game because he wants to leave meat on the bone for the NFL. I think he's learned that from his buddy Nick Saban that he mm-hmm. <laughs> coached under. Uh, so that's one of the recruiting tools as well. So there's going to be a little bit of running back by committee, but Kenneth Walker definitely is the guy. And this Michigan State program, one that, that obviously I'm very familiar with and, and follow it intently because of the matchup between Michigan and Michigan State, um, the in-state rivalry, but it's always been a physical matchup. And that's one thing I know that Mark D'Antonio, when he was the head coach, uh, really thrived on and preached to his guys. Mel Tucker, uh, we we did get a little taste of him last year. Unfortunately, in Ann Arbor, we got too big a taste. Um, but what do you know now that he's been the head man for over a year? You've seen one uh, season, albeit you know an incomplete season. What's your take on Mel Tucker now that you've had a chance to get to know him and see his style of coaching? You know, it's interesting that you say that because Mel Tucker was a graduate assistant in my last year at Michigan State. I remember him uh, coming in in the spring and, and watching him feel his way around. Uh, we would see him sometimes, like, look like he had just woken up when we get into the uh, the football building, the Duffy Dordery building, and we're like, Mel, did you sleep here? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I have to sleep here sometimes. So, so he was a, a workhorse back then, but you can see how he's progressed by – learning under guys like Nick Saban, spending 10 years in NFL, coaching. Uh, he was an interim head coach for Jacksonville Jaguars for a while. He uh, has been a head coach, obviously, at Colorado now and then moving over to Michigan State. And his philosophy, uh, where you see 
big lineman. I mean, he's brought in, you know, uh, you don't see anybody under 6'5", 315. Everyone is, at, that's like a, a bare minimum now for the offensive lineman that they're looking for. And they're all physical. And, and he just says you can't have enough big guys like that on your team. And then he's recruiting speed on the skill player side. He's looking for those guys that are long, that can run like the wind. So you're getting a little bit more of that SEC flavor of recruiting, the, the, the type of athlete that he's targeting because he, he's very open and says, hey, I can't win with bad athletes. I can't. So he's trying to find uh, those guys who are difference makers up front and in the skill positions to make uh, get some more Ws in that win column, some wins. So has Mel he, Tucker's a definitely good guy. Has he talked State. about how he mines the transfer portal? Like there's so many players in it. And we mentioned this before, off air before we came on that it's like a waterfall, um, you know, just going into the portal, and it feels like there's a trickle coming out of it. There's a logjam of players. Has he described to you, or, or or can you see it in his actions and how he's done it in regards to how you find and search that portal to find the the exact athlete and mentality that you're looking for? Yeah, from when he's he's talked about this, he said that there's there's dedicated staff that are watching the portal all day, twenty four hours a day, and from that, when there's a new player in the portal, they're looking at film. If somebody passes the eye test, or you know, there's any you know certain level of schools um, recruits that they may or may not have seen in the past that signed with someone else, now they hit the portal they start doing the homework. They look at the film and they do a deep dive into the background as to why is this kid in the portal? Because that's something that no one sees in the portal. Like, why? Is it just, uh, I'm, I'm tired of the school or are we dismissed for some kind of a team rule violation or some kind of an academic situation? So they do their homework and if they pass, all those checks get, you know, all those boxes get checked, they're on the phone. They're, they're reaching out to the guy. So that's, that's how fast and furious it is. You see some of these guys only last in the portal maybe a week, and they're getting offers from everywhere, and they then make a, make a decision. Well, we've seen it um, across college football. We saw it, you know, a transfer quarterback from Nebraska go to Louisville and then transfer out and go somewhere else, and, and they only spend a – it seems like a, they get a cup of coffee. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit reserved when I bring up names, and I, I hope that you're gentle in correcting me if, if one of these guys only spent a, uh, had a cup of coffee in East Lansing. But you mentioned the running back room, and you already mentioned transfer Kenneth Walker. Um, and that it, it is going to be running back by committee. But one of the things that seems to have plagued Michigan State over the past two, three years is injuries up front. Now, I know as of uh, publication, uh, like two days ago, it, it seemed like Jarrett Horst was a transfer coming in from Arkansas State to help provide depth at that line position. What can you tell us about him as well as – you know, what this offensive line will look like heading into the 2021 season. I'll tell you what, Jared Horst, the guy wearing summer, number 79, which I love that number. He's the guy <laughs> who came in there and he just brought nasty to the team. He really did. He got, uh, he's really raised the level of physical tenacity in that offensive line room and he did it immediately. It got so bad in the spring, I'm told that the defensive line wanted to fight the guy. 
You know, you know how that gets. Hey, oh yeah. Guy that's a, yeah. You know, sometimes they want to. You know, defensive line. They're they're maybe not the most civilized creatures on the planet sometimes, <laughs> and they want to gang up and try to <laughs> try to attack guys in the locker room. But it was was just a good thing as an offensive line, and we like, oh man, so you, he's he's kicking some guys off. He's getting under their skin because he's playing. Like the whistle to him is kind of a suggestion, mm-hmm. which we like that. We like that. So you want to coach him up to be a little bit more, you know, hey, you, you don't want to be illegal. Don't get penalties. But definitely the kind of player that we want in East Lansing. And just a, he just oozes Big Ten offensive linemen. Uh, it's a little worrisome for me to hear that, especially when you describe the offensive line and in, in, in terms of you know, Mel Tucker's philosophy, a six five three fifteen across the board. You bring in a, a nasty attitude like that, and you can see things turn around quickly, especially when you have speed at that wide receiver position. Now we saw Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor have you know a good game in the big house last year. What can you tell us about that wide receiver position and any additions to those two guys? You know, those are, those are the two guys right there. Jaden Reed is the, the number one receiver. They love him. I mean, this guy can really stretch the field and, uh, and, and make big plays. Ricky White, who has a huge game against Michigan on the road, um, is a guy that needs to get healthy and more consistent. So they like him as well. Jalen Naylor, speedster. He just, you know, he's a guy that um, will just run away from pretty much everybody. Trey Mosley is the guy that you want to pay attention to. Uh, he's out of West Bloomfield High, uh, redshirt sophomore, but has really come into his own. Number 17, 6'2", 190 pounds, and he can run a sub 4'4", 40, as I'm told. Trey Mosley's a guy that you want to pay attention to in that uh, wide receiver um, room for Michigan State. And uh, obviously, you know, with, with the offensive line being able to protect, run the ball, which we haven't been able to do well in the last three years, John. Now we got to be able to protect that quarterback, and I know we're going to talk about them here in a minute. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's a uh, you could tell you're a radio pro because you transitioned right into my next question. In Rocky Lombardi is no longer there. We'll have faced him earlier in the season because he's over at NIU. But Peyton Thorne, I know you've got some transfers. What did what came out of spring, and was there a definite number one quarterback coming out of spring? Coming out of spring, it was pretty clear Peyton Thorne is the front runner heading into fall camp. Uh, the transfer, Anthony Russo, who come came over from uh, what was it? I think it was Rutgers. No, not Rutgers. Uh, Temple. Uh, Temple. 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 Sorry about that. Yeah, so he comes over from Temple, but he's had so many coaches, so many uh, new uh, offensive coordinators that I think it's a little bit. He's, he's having to catch up with the playbook. He's not the athlete that Thorne is. He's a bigger guy, 6'4", 245 pounds. He's got a decent arm, but he's not the mobile guy that people are looking for in today's offensive scheme. I think that he he has to cut down on his interceptions and get his plays down in order to have a good camp to push Thorne. But right now, Peyton Thorne, he seemed to really have a great command of the offense. Um, the guys trust him. You can see the way his huddle presence is. You know how important that is as a as an offensive line. Being in that huddle and having a quarterback that is confident, it, it sets the tone for the whole game. So this is the kind of guy right now that I think is the guy to beat 
uh, in fall camp. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I, I look, if we had to play against Northwestern today, Peyton Thorne will be that guy. And just looking at it as, as a, as a you know, former football player, um, and now you see how the way the, the college game has evolved. Do you ever think yeah. we'll see a pocket, pa- a true pocket passer be, you know, very successful again? Or, because it seems like most teams are looking for that dual threat quarterback. They're looking for the guy that can extend the play, and we're seeing it trickle up to the NFL as well. Yeah, I, I think that it's really here to stay. You see the. Quarterbacks are getting faster. They're, they're getting smaller in some cases uh, because the linebackers and the defensive backs have got, I mean, they're, they're, they can run like the wind. And no more of those, you know, the Pat Fitzgerald linebackers, the big guy, 6'4", mm-hmm. 6'5", 255 pounds. These guys can run. I mean, some of these linebackers are running 4'340s, some sub-4'340s, so they can defend the pass and run sideline to sideline. Those guys are incredibly difficult to block and incredibly difficult to account for in the passing game. So in order to counter that, you need a quarterback that once those guys turn their backs and man coverage, that can pick up that first down on third and medium or short with his leg. Traditional pocket passers like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, those guys can sometimes struggle to get to the first down marker when you have linebackers that are flying around like they do in today's game. So I think these guys are mobile guys are here to stay. Jason Strayhorn has joined us today on In the Trenches from the Spartan Radio Network. Also has a new podcast coming out at the end of July, yet to be named, but it will be coming from Woodward Sports. Uh, looking forward to hearing that. As you can hear, I mean, you you get a chance to talk to a, an offensive lineman, you're going to get good stuff, and you're always going to get the way it is. We don't like to uh, sugarcoat things, even if it's for our own university. Um, and Jason, that's one thing I've always enjoyed listening to you. You you're very straightforward and honest, and you do a great job of of leading me into the next topic because you just mentioned those linebackers. You, you took me to the quarterback. Now you're taking me to the other side of the ball. <laughs> and Michigan State has lost one key player at every level of def- defense: Naquan Jones uh, up front. Antoine Simmons at the linebacker position, and then Shakur Brown on the back end. What does Michigan State do? We've seen so many really good linebackers fill that role. Who is the next name to to come in after Antoine Simmons? That is to be determined, to be honest with you. Antoine Simmons was such a good player, played at such a high level, that that's a guy that you just don't, just say, hey, this guy's going to replace him. Chase Klein, the big guy, 6'4", 235. He can run. He can hit. He's a pretty decent athlete. I don't know if he's a 4'5 a type of player that can run like that. But we've got some new guys from the portal that are in, a former four-star out of uh, Minnesota who we have yet to see uh, in on the field. Noah Harvey's a guy who's played a lot. Uh, at the inside linebacker position, another big guy, 6'4", 235, and that old style. But we just we, this is one of those positions of concern for us going into the fall camp to see where guys will be. Um, so that, that is an area that, you know, I would say the, the linebackers and the defensive line is an area where Michigan State needs to get better and in a hurry to be able to compete at a high level because those may be the areas of weakness 
uh, going forward for Michigan State in 2021. Well, that D-line position, um, you, you've got two, I, I think, at least experienced defensive ends in Drew Beasley and Jacob Panashuk. And I know that we're, we're in that era where we, you, know, you have the super senior, the six-year senior, and maybe it's because uh, his brother was there as well, but it seems like Jacob Panashuk has been in East Lansing for about 10 years. <laughs> the Panashuk, yes, the brother. He's, uh, he's definitely a tough guy. A very good player. He does everything the coaches ask of him in order to be a better defensive end and learn. His he's a student of the game. He really works his moves. And he's just a little bit limited physically when it comes to the beating that you take in that Big Ten schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes off the field for plays because he's trying to do the best he can. Two hundred and fifty pounds, um, you know, at best at times, but just a hard nosed player, as you said. Uh, you know. Drew Beasley, another guy, former walk-on, earned a scholarship, and, and is a very technically sound guy, but just not one of those guys that's going to just take over a game. You know, like we're talking about, you know, guys like, uh, you know, uh, who's the guy at Ohio State, the, the number one pick a couple of years ago? Oh, Chase. Just, yeah, Chase Young. You know, not, you know, we, we want some of those kind of players, at least close to it, in order to feel like real comfortable. But these guys are serviceable players, and the depth is what I, that worries me on the defensive line. Naquan Jones leaving early, uh, now playing with the Tennessee Titans as an undrafted free agent. I think could have been better served coming back another year or provided more depth. Uh, but Hunt uh, is a player uh, that Jalen Hunt, 99, 320-pounder out of Belleville, he is a, he, he's, a, he's a dog. In the middle, six four, he can run. He's tough. He's stout, uh, but you know he hasn't played a lot yet. So this is going to be a year, a breakout year for him. I think you're going to see a little bit from Deshaun Mallory, a guy who's a six two, three hundred pounder uh, that's just ridiculously strong in the weight room. I'm hearing that he's power cleaning, you know, four hundred pounds plus on a hand clean. So this is a powerful guy. Uh, but you know th- those are the th- the guys who are going to be playing a lot, but it's the depth again that concerns me. God, it's some of the weight that these guys are throwing around these days. It just it, it's so amazing. And I know that hey, we worked out and we did all the things we were asked at that time. But with nutrition, with science, in terms of rest and and just training techniques, does it ever amaze you when you see some of that weight getting moved around? Yeah, it, it really does. It, 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 when I've seen videos of uh, Tristan Wirfs out of yes. Iowa, you know, was like 465, 485 for three on a hang clean. Right. I said, come on, come on. Yes. What is that? That's superhuman. And it's not, this isn't one of those steroid guys either. I mean, this is, he's a regular body guy that's just, just cock strong, man. And, uh, you know, can you imagine? Uh, what his punch is like coming off the <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just incredible, uh, the, the strength and conditioning and the nutrition. They All the schools now have these dietitians that are on staff. And, you know, the money that they pour into the uh, nutrition is, is important, but amazing nonetheless. Not, nothing like the training tables we had back in the 90s. That's, you know. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that had all of the uh, the essentials, right? You had your steak, and then you'd make sure that you'd never miss dessert. 
That's right. Steak yes. and dessert. I don't think dessert is allowed anymore. <laughs> no, not at all. Just shake. Protein shake. Yeah. That's right. That's Perfect. right. <laughs> yeah. Somebody asked me, hey, you know, do you think you could have done that 485 you know, pound clean when you were playing? I said, only if you wanted to see my spine laying on the ground. <laughs> But, I didn't even attempt it. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'd look at it and be like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, finishing out the defense, uh, as I mentioned, Shakur Brown yeah. no longer in East Lansing. The back end, it's we've heard all of the, the you know, and we've seen it, the no-fly zone, the way that the secondary, the, the tradition of the secondary in East Lansing is extremely good. What will this secondary look like? You know, I think, you know, I saw Harlan Barnett uh, a few weeks ago, and he had a huge grin on his face. Now, he's a former defensive coordinator. He played defensive back in Michigan State and in the NFL for about eight, ten years. And he's one of the guys that's behind the no-fly zone. He's like, wait till you see this year's secondary. Like, yeah, I haven't heard that out of him in a long time. But Michael Dowell's a guy, a safety, Richard Jr., who has two twin brothers that played before him that's really coming into his own at the safety position. You've got uh, guys like uh, Gervin, Kalen Gervin, who, who can just flat out play uh, the corner position, who, who's very, very good uh, with his with his hips and hand and coverage skills. And then Darius Snow is another safety. He's got it kind of he's a he's got the pedigree. He's a snow. He's uh, Eric Snow, the basketball player's son, mm-hmm. Percy Snow's nephew. So he's got the bloodline. He's a guy that came in as a undersized backer. They're moving him. He's at, he's at the safety position, and you know they're, they they want to get him on the field at some point because he can run and he can hit. Uh, so he's a guy that that could be added in that secondary uh, that can turn some heads. So they're they're very excited about what this uh, this year's back end. I think that's going to be a strength of the defense for Michigan State. And uh, I'm talking to Jason Strayhorn of the Spartan Radio Network. I, I really appreciate your time. I've just got two more questions for you. One is when you look at this team, you obviously had a chance to see them in the spring. You mentioned the 47 new new faces and new names. What are your realistic expectations? And maybe more uh, easily answered is, what do you expect to see from the 2021 version of the Michigan State Spartans? You know, I think that this team, obviously this is a rebuilding program right now, but it's, it's accelerated through the transfer portal and all the new signees that have uh, come to Michigan State. I think that being bowl eligible is the bar. You know, getting that six-win mark is, is the bar. When you look at the schedule, though, if they can put everything together, I mean, you can get as high as nine, maybe ten wins. You know, if, if things go great, but I don't anticipate all that when you have so many new phases. If that does happen, I think that would be a coaching feat that we haven't seen uh, in, a, in a long time either at Michigan State and East Lansing. So, uh, you know, there's some, some games right away. There is no warm-up. You go right into the Big Ten season on the road against Northwestern, which has been an Achilles heel for Michigan State for a while, although they've had success over in, uh, in Evanston in the past. But that is, uh, you know, all the guys have to figure this out pretty quick. It's Friday night, 9 o'clock kickoff uh, on the road. And so that will give you a good barometer as to where Michigan State will land. Obviously, obviously, after that, you have Youngstown State at home. 
and then you have to go down to Miami when that heat mm-hmm. uh, in mid-September at noon, high noon. So if you get to those three games, you're going to be able to tell what you have. <laughs> you think those, those offensive lines are going to have some water, some uh, cool zones, and maybe some IVs at the halftime to get through that game. Yeah, you're uh, going to have a whole bunch of guys starting at 315 <laughs> and then the game at about 295. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You remember those days? You weigh in on uh, on Saturday or Sunday, uh, and uh, you're, you're completely like 20 pounds lighter than you were the day before. I could but, use yeah, one of those uh, days now. <laughs> <laughs> well, all we had to do was walk around, f- follow the guys at practice, and that will happen for me and you right now. Yes. <laughs> get that lemonade out of our hands, get out of the shade. Just keep the oxygen tank really close. <laughs> when, you, when you look at this schedule, and you already mentioned the start, which I think is there's pros and cons to starting with that Big Ten game, but as a program, it's a tough start. As as a player, you, you look at it and you and you get you excited to start the season, and then mid season, obviously, you know Michigan will be coming to to East Lansing this year, October thirty, Halloween weekend. And I asked this question with great trepidation. Share your finest memory in a Spartan uniform against Michigan. In a Spartan uniform against Michigan. So myself personally, I, I I would say I wasn't in this game, but I watched the the '95 game. I was on the sidelines for this one, where it was a young Charles Woodson against Derek Mason, who was coming into his own, a, a Big Ten leader in the kick returning, and he was a receiver, and they were matched up. It was like third and forever. On a uh, or maybe it's fourth down. It was crazy. And and uh, Tony Banks drops back, throws the ball, and Charles went up and barely tipped the ball, and it went over his head, and it landed in Derek Mason's hands while he was like laying on the field after he tipped it. Now we end up winning that ball game in a deep pass to Nigeria Carter in the the northeast end zone, which is like the same place where the little Giants play went. Um, back with the, the Notre Dame win. Fast forward two years later, we're back in East Lansing. I'm on the field. There's another pass. We're just doing a little rollout to the to the right. Todd Schultz is just like, hey, I'm just going to throw this ball into the stands, as uh, you know, all offensive coordinators say, just throw it in the stands. You know, when there's when there's nothing, everybody's covered. And I see a more mature Charles Woodson measuring, like, looking at the sideline, looking at the ball, I'm like, what is he, what, why is he even thinking about this? He jumps. Like, it, it, it seems like he jumped through the stadium. I mean, he was so high, probably 12 feet. Grabs it, one-hands it, lands with one I mean, he was definitely inbounds. I hate to admit it, but he was inbounds. Comes down with the crazy interception and uh, on to the Heisman Trophy uh, in the Hall of Fame now. So those are, you know, the best and worst of times as a player. Uh, against Michigan for me personally. It um I'm I I really appreciate your professionalism in sharing both of those <laughs> because <laughs> that ninety five matchup that you're talking about with Tony Banks, Nigeria Carter, um uh, that was ninety five. That was my first time on the field and yeah. I was absolutely heartbroken when that oh, game man. was over. And I remember it just like that was the old turf in that stadium and yeah. It started to get cold. I think it rained a little bit, and it was like little bitty razor blades 
when you would fall on that turf, it just, it cut the hell out of you. And then to end (laughs) that game the way it did, gosh, it was another great classic matchup between these two. And I'm hoping that October 30, we get another one of those great matchups, October matchups that we have become the love um, you and I both, and I look forward to seeing you and I know I'll get a chance to talk to you before that, but thank you so much for joining us, uh, on in the trenches today. Absolutely. Love it. Anytime. Thanks for having me, John. Jason Strayhorn, Spartan radio network. Make sure you t- pay attention to him online because he does have a new podcast coming out at the end of July as yet to be named, but it's coming from Woodward sports. Looking forward to hearing from it, uh, from you on that as well. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it, man. Well, I want to thank Jason for you know giving his time and, and talking about this game, talking about this rivalry and the roster there in East Lansing. It's, it's going to be an interesting year for a lot of schools. And I think in the Big Ten, one of the biggest question marks and one of the biggest intrigue is what the Michigan State Spartans are going to be. You heard it from Jason. I mentioned it, you know, in my preamble leading up to it. Forty-seven new faces and names. That is unbelievable on a roster that's going to be somewhere around 110, 115 players. Uh, that's unbelievable turnover. So when they play Northwestern, that's going to be the first peak that we have. Uh, and then throughout the season, obviously, we're all going to be keeping an eye on those Spartans, and uh, uh, as you always should, make sure you know where every Spartan is. Uh, I want to say thanks to uh, Brian Bush uh, for again putting this together and all of the work that he has done throughout this this school year uh, as well as what he continues to do throughout the summer in getting Defend the Block on. If you missed that, sophomore to be Jace Howard um, had a great conversation with Brian Bush. If you missed anything here, Make sure you go back, you take a listen, subscribe, like. In the comments section, make sure you leave us. If you want to leave us some questions, we can get to those this summer as well. would love to answer some of your questions, uh, but make sure you stay tuned in here for all your Michigan football news on In the Trenches. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of In the Trenches with John Jansen, part of our Michigan Athletics Podcast Network. M Go Blue Podcasts. The preceding is a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Michigan Sports Network.